0: The Premier League season is over, but we still have the Champions League and Europa League to come, and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 bet builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365 Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Hello, and welcome to Straight Out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. On this week's show, we're lamenting Lampsland's lack of luck as the FA Cup final proves a game too far for the Blues. We'll also look ahead to Mission Improbable in Munich and answer your questions. That's all to come on this edition of Straight Out of Cobham. Hello there, listener. Over the disappointments of Saturday yet? Remember, top four, very much the real quiz for Chelsea this season. Uh, it's Matt Davis-Adams talking at you, by the way. With Liam Toomey peddling around France, we're down to two Chelsea experts alongside me today. Hello, Simon Johnson. Hello. And back from his own staycation, it's Dominic Fifield. Hi, Dom. Hey, how you doing? Very good. Uh, Now, before we get to the FA Cup final, to celebrate our one-year anniversary week here at The Athletic UK, our writers have been unlocking their favourite articles for you to read for free. Uh, Many of you will know that I'm a Nottingham Forest supporter. I therefore turn to The Athletic to read Paul Taylor's scoop that stylish Sabri Lamushi would be staying on next season. I also love Paul and Danny Taylor's joint piece on the day Brian Clough stopped a man jumping off Trent Bridge. Uh, Don, what's been your favourite piece to work on these past 12 months?
1: Probably the, the piece on Brentford B, the sort of innovative reserve team system they have at, at Brentford, who who could be this week, um at the time of recording, they've they they are preparing for the uh playoff final, so they could be a Premier League club in the in the days to come. Um but yeah, really interesting. They took me to France, it took me to a friendly in, in Bordeaux, um, which I think may be vaguely where Liam is currently peddling somewhere. Um and yeah it was it was it's just really fascinating approach they have to to recruitment in general um and uh, and and their and their beating system with no youth academy at that club they they bring in rejects from other clubs effectively uh, including the likes of Chelsea uh, and nurture them and, and make them into professional players so it was a fascinating piece to to, to research and write
0: yeah, that's well worth a read. Cole DeSilva, one of those players that um, Dom references there. And yeah, it might be another West London derby to look forward to next season. And how about you, Simon? What stood out for you over the
2: last year? Well, it was hard to pick just one um, because, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun writing for the Athletic. But I, I ended up choosing because I, I thought it was quite topical. It was a piece that I did with uh, Liam and, and David Ornstein. Um, and that was the. Looking into the signing of Pakim who of course is is already started training uh, with the senior squad, and and sort of unveiling um, the extent to which Chelsea scouted him, um, what what was sort of said about him when they watched him play. He was actually scouted for three years, um, and Chelsea sort of liked um, not only his uh, ability but his personality. Uh, even though there had been scouts around Europe that had, had sort of expressed some doubts about him but then sort of talking about his backstory really and how his life could have taken a different turn if he hadn't had had uh, a sit-down chat with his mother and brother at the age of 14 who who read him the right act essentially um and and sort of told him you know look you've got you've, you, your life could take one one direction or another it's up to you and unfortunately for himself and 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 now hopefully for Chelsea he he chose to to focus on his football is um, clearly a great talent and we've gone into just sort of great detail explaining his story so um, Chelsea fans will already be looking forward to seeing him in action next season and this is a good sort of background sort of um, to have in their locker before he starts wearing that Chelsea shirt. Yeah, really worth reading that piece. I
0: found it very useful in terms of uh, my background research on ZH and it's that kind of level of detail that The Athletic have been specialising in this past year. Uh, if that's whetted your appetite, we've also got a 30-day free trial for anyone not yet subscribed. Just head over to athletic.com slash pod to get started. Remember, subscribers can also listen to ad-free versions of this and The Athletic's many other fine podcasts by listening through The Athletic app. Okay, we can't put it off any longer. It's cup final post-mortem time. So, barring something truly miraculous in the Champions League, there'll be no silverware for Chelsea this season after the Blues were beaten 2-1 by Arsenal at Wembley in the FA Cup final on Saturday. Christian Pulisic's opener overturned by a Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang brace. Uh, We'll talk about questionable officiating soon enough. Overall, though, Simon, fair to say that Arsenal
2: deserved it? Yeah, I think so, simply because Frank Lampard says that's the case, essentially. Um, He was very honest in his post-match appraisal saying Chelsea weren't good enough. Um, They they started the better of the two teams, um, deservedly went in front. Um, But as Lampard said himself, the team stopped playing. Um, It was very odd. I I, I don't know whether they just thought they could just sort of see the game out, essentially. It was almost like they were playing for a 1-0 win with sort of 75 minutes to go. I thought they did quite well in the second half for a period after, of course, Azpilicueta and Pulisic had gone off. They they sort of had quite a lot of possession. But when you think back to it, they didn't create that many chances after the 15 minutes had gone, really. Um, Giroud was kept very quiet. And once Pulisic went off, you, you did wonder where, where the goals were going to come from. And, and Arsenal were a constant threat with their pace in behind. And, and Chelsea just didn't really seem to know how to cope with it.
0: I mean in terms of the the team selection and and the formation it w- wasn't a great surprise when the team sheets were were released an hour before kick off. So if we say that Lampard probably got that right pre-match, was it was it the in-game management that maybe could have been a bit better? He, he wasn't as demonstrative or as involved in the drinks breaks chats as uh, Mikel Arteta it seemed.
1: I think he missed a trick in the first drinks break because even at that stage it was very obvious that that Arsenal had had were, were twigging the reality that they could they could they could pile balls over the top into the into the areas behind the wing backs um, in that sort of awkward area be- between wing back and and so, uh, centre half in the in the three four three um, and we're exploiting that with the pace and that's indeed where Arsenal's equaliser stemmed from because uh, Aspillita just couldn't couldn't keep up with Aubameyang on the charge. And it it seemed as if even at that point he 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 might have asked them to drop back a bit and 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 just try and and some control back a bit of solidity in there. Um, he was always going to play with a three. I mean, partly born of matching what he anticipated Arsenal were going to play, but also because Chelsea had been playing with a three successfully, relatively in the in the previous few weeks. So uh, ripping that up. Ahead of the cup final, probably wasn't wouldn't have been the greatest idea, but but I think there was definitely scope within that game when it became clear that what Arsenal's primary tactic was and how they were hurting Chelsea most of all that they could have swapped back somehow into a four. Um, Chelsea are familiar with playing both systems. It's, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been a massive massive wrench for them uh, to try something different and 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 to to try and try and gain some solidity because we all know that that defense is vulnerable and at times in that in the cup final arsenal just exposed it far far too easily and i think that that is a criticism of of the management's ability to, to react you know it's limited I suppose really what they can do because they, they do need more personnel and different personnel at the back there ultimately but they, they, I think they could have been a bit more innovative during the game to adapt to what Arsenal were doing against them
0: Yeah, and on a related note, Simon, we've had a tweet from It's Joel, Not Joel. He says, One thing I've noticed is that Chelsea seem to get outdone this season when we play a formation for too long. Complacency creeps in, we don't move the ball fast enough and end up being forced into mistakes. We seem almost incapable
2: of adapting to games. Do you think that's fair? The thing is, is when a system's working quite well, um, you can understand why any coach, not just Frank Lampard, would want to stick with it. Um, And... Apart from the Liverpool game, you'd have to say that, that three at the back has has, has been the most effective uh, formation for Chelsea recently. Um, you could argue it's made them more predictable. I'm sure Arteta was, was planning to face that system. And it seemed to me he particularly was targeting the Rhys James as per Equator. Um, axis, as it were, on the, on the right flank. And in fact, I, I sort of tweeted about three minutes before the, the, the penalty um, that that was something I'd noticed, that most of the balls were played in between those two. And even the um, the average position map which Opta provides after the game, it showed that Alonso and, and Rhys James, their average position was, was the halfway line. So you can imagine and, and Arsenal certainly spotted that, that there was all this space. Um, For them to exploit. But I I didn't have a particular problem with Chelsea starting with that formation. I I think it was more attitude that really let them down. Why why did they go from taking the game to Arsenal to, as Lampard himself said, sort of pass the ball sort of five yards to each other? Um, As he said it, why did they stall? Why did they get too comfortable, get too complacent? I think that was more of an issue. Than formation itself, even though it was exposed by the way Arsenal played. He even spoke about that—that that he told his players that Arsenal would be playing direct, um, but they just seemed incapable of responding to it themselves on the pitch. And I just think the game in itself, and perhaps the FA Cup run in itself, was indicative of Chelsea's season. You know, they—they they blow hot and cold. This is what they are. They—they're they're not the finished product, and. And that's what the transfer window will certainly be used to try and bring in more players on top of the two they've already bought to, to, to make them a lot stronger because the way they are, they are going to be like this. They are going to have good moments and bad moments and, and lose big games and win big games.
0: Yeah, you wonder if that complacency was maybe a result of of fatigue mentally as well as physically. We certainly saw the the physical side of that illustrated in the injuries to to and Pulisic, and both of those dom actually had a really significant effect on the game because the Aspilaqueta one meant that Chelsea had to rejig the defence, and and Pulisic was Chelsea's best player before
1: he went off. Yeah, certainly the Pulisic injury that's a massive massive blow uh, for Chelsea because we're, we're still waiting you know how how severe it is I mean with these hamstring injuries picked up now and given the the, the lack of effectively a pre-season ahead of the start of the new campaign in, in September whenever Chelsea's campaign actually does start I mean, there's got to be a good chance that Pulisic will be absent um, at the start of the next season now on that, because Alice they, it almost felt a bit of a a mercy him going off just because of the torrid time he was to which he was being subjected um in within the game but but when you do take him out of the side you are you're losing a a leader, you're losing a an inspiration for that team. So it was disruptive in that respect. um And you know if if had Chelsea resorted to a four, then I think Lampard would have been perfectly happy for him to have you know operated in either of the fullback positions, to be honest. Um, and would have been more, would have been happier with him operating in other positions than than say Marcus Alonso on the on, on the left, who who's better suited to to wing back rather than full back. I think. Just going just going briefly back to to Joel's point, part of this there has been a constant chop and changing at the back and between a, a four and a three over the course of the season, and and invariably when when that move has happened, Chelsea have done well. It's almost as if they've taken the opposition by surprise for for a while and. I I don't know whether it's I suppose teams adapt against them and they know what to expect and there is a predictability there as 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 Simon suggests when you know, if if they if they stick with one for three or four games. But I do think it always boils down to the actual quality of the of the individual involved. And if you haven't got um top top quality either centre halves or full backs necessarily or wing backs at your disposal, then whichever system you employ will eventually be exploited by the better teams um and, and arsenal's front three the the rest of the team has its deficiencies as we all know but the front three is excellent and and they did they did exploit it they 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 made chelsea look ragged at, at, at times particularly in that the second half of the first half on, on saturday so again it boils down to the actual quality of the players at, at lampard's disposal and that's something he has to address this summer
3: Hi there, I'm David Ornstein and I've launched a brand new show on YouTube, Ask Ornstein, where I answer questions from our athletic subscribers. To get your question answered, simply leave a comment at the bottom of my column every Monday and I'll choose my favourites. To watch the show, head over to the Tifo podcast YouTube
0: channel and a new episode will be up every Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Frank Lampard, keen not to place the finger of blame squarely at Anthony Taylor, but we ought to talk about some of the decision-making from the man in the middle. Um, Simon, I think the, the Kovacic second yellow obviously had a big impact on the game and it's difficult to, to make a case that the referee got that one right, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, sorry for laughing. It was It was just... <laughs> It, it it was it was a laughable decision and it wasn't the only one i think Mason mount getting booked for being kicked uh, which is something i tweeted was uh, was another highlight um he look, he didn't have the best of games <laughs> to put it mildly um as pillaqueta fun enough the 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 website the 5th stand up actually carry quotes from as equator um referring to the 50-50s going against chelsea referring to saying, well, similar kind of things happened in 2017 when Anthony Taylor refereed the the last time these two teams met in the FA Cup final. Um, So there was clearly a a feeling of frustration among the players. Um, And it it can sort of have an impact on on the flow of a game when, when you sort of feel like decisions are going against you. But I go back to what I said earlier. Lampard barely talked about it. Um he didn't want to make it the reason for why chelsea lost um because as a team you you've got to overcome such things it, it it's these kind of uh, games aren't decided by officials um they're decided by what you do as a team and and, and chelsea just didn't do enough but but now anthony taylor um he's refereed two cup finals now and i, I think um I'll be very surprised if he gets a third. He's done very well to get two under his belt. Yeah, they don't normally get two, do they? But it's um, the current circumstances... In terms of
0: uh, what they're doing, bubble wise, with the officials at, to to maintain games during the pandemic, that meant he got a second run at the final. Um, as we kind of round off our FA Cup chat, then Dom, I, I wonder if this result does it add extra pressure to the start of next season, given that it's it's so close to the end of this one, and this defeat will still be fresh in the memory. And, and Lampard hasn't got that FA Cup victory to to fall back on if if things don't go well at the start of twenty twenty one
1: look i guess every chelsea manager is in that situation if you if you go through a season without silverware then there's a certain level of of, of pressure applied from above but i think there's a recognition at chelsea that this is a this is a long term project and actually quite a lot of the things that have happened this season not least champions league qualification have been very promising and a fine first step on a on a road that you know that that could take chelsea back towards being titled contenders again in, in, in time um, but the very fact that they've invested heavily already in the market and they're going to invest more in the weeks to come uh, suggests that they, they are backing Lampard's vision and ideas um, and to be honest with you as a, as a neutral looking in from the outside I mean it's you have to agree with a lot of the things that he's doing I mean it's it is I think you have you, you appreciate that there are elements of this squad that are still, um, or parts of this squad that where, where there are deficiencies uh, that they need to improve upon dramatically at the at the back. Most obviously, um, goalkeeping situation is a, is an ongoing issue as well. But but I think we can all say that the style of football when it clicks is is attractive. It's it's good to watch. Uh, it's progressive. Uh, he's given. A lot of young players a chance, which is what we've been craving for so long at, at Chelsea. So that's that's brilliant to see. There's a, there's a lot going right, and I don't think defeat in the FA Cup final should besmirch that in any way. I think I think this is a, a team moving in the direction right direction, and and a club moving in the right direction, um, and an encouraging, very encouraging first season in, in charge for Frank Lampard.
0: Yeah, agree with that. And bonus points for use of the word besmirch. Um That's not quite all she wrote for Chelsea in 2019-20. The Blues have at least and probably just one more game left. We'll look ahead to that next. Do you like beer? Do you like free beer? As a valued listener, we'd like to bestow upon you just that. Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash Cobham and cover just the postage of £4.95. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener to Straight Out of Cobham, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then that they're the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 delivers a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power is in your hands. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive. And a beery snack is thrown in just to top it all off. Don't like dark beers? Choose the light plan. Easy. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash Cobham to get your free case. And don't forget, right now, straight out of Cobham listeners, get two extra free beers. So, on Saturday, Chelsea travelled to Munich for the second leg of their Champions League last 16 tie against Bayern. The Blues 3-0 down from the first leg at Stamford Bridge way back in February. Um, Simon, what what can Chelsea realistically hope to gain from this game?
2: Um, (laughs) Damage limitation? (laughs) Mm. Um, I I only say that simply because Lampard is going to really struggle to get a decent team out. There's not just the injury problems, of which there are a number, um, not just the ones sustained in the, in the cup final itself, but of course you had William pulling out ahead of the game, Ruben Loftus cheek. Um, and of course, William might be soon announcing his his future, and from what I'm led to believe, it, it, it won't be at Chelsea. So is he really going to want to be involved in this dead rubber, even if he's fit? Um, then you've got Marcus Alonso and Jorginho suspended. So... It's it's a difficult one for for Lampard. Um, I know that he doesn't want to end the season with, with a humiliation, a, a drubbing. So he, it's not a case of just going out there and, and picking the kids. And he'll hope that by Munich it will be a little bit rusty because, of course, they haven't had a game for a, a, a proper competitive game for for a while. Um, it's perhaps a chance to have a look at players that have. Not had that many minutes to, to to sort of make a point ahead of the next season. I'm looking at players like Tamori, who hasn't played a single minute. Callum Hudson Odoi, who of course could have moved to Bayern Munich uh, a year ago, and and has and has not really kicked on um, due to a combination of factors. But really, he he will just want to make sure that Chelsea don't end what's been a positive season with a with a heavy defeat because that would leave a very sour taste going into what is a very brief close season. Do you agree with that, Dom?
1: D- definitely, but I mean we shouldn't belittle the, the the task at hand. I mean Bayern Munich have won 17 competitive games in a row and that that the, the 3-0 win at Stamford Bridge was the third match in that sequence. So you know they're a team that's used to winning. Let's put it like that. Um, okay, the the last competitive game that they played was the German Cup final, which was a little over a month ago, when they when they beat uh, Kai Havertz's Bayer Leverkusen four two. But I mean they have had the a friendly game against Marseille um, the end of right at the end of July, which they won one nil. They have got they 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 put ten players on in the second half of that game to give all their their squad a little bit of a run out. They will, they will be confident that they can maintain that that run with a what would be effectively be a nineteenth a game on the bounce, including the friendly with a win. But Chelsea just have to show that they've, they have they've learnt something from that game at Stamford Bridge. And I, I I genuinely don't know whether whether Lampard will be able to do that given that the given the lack of resources now with hamstrings peeing left, right, and centre and shoulders being dislocated and suspensions kicking in, etc. But we, we, what we wanted to see in the second leg in, in Munich was evidence that, that the one match really of his tenure so far where, where Chelsea have been utterly outclassed, which was Bayern at home. I mean, completely outclassed by a far superior team. We wanted to see evidence that, that he'd learnt from that and that he was going to do things slightly differently for the second leg. Now, the injuries and the unique circumstances are probably denied that opportunity. So we're going to have to wait for evidence of that until probably next season's Champions League in reality. But yeah, blah, those give, give some of those kids a, a run out. I mean, Hudson-Odoi and Tomori, you'd imagine, would be hugely hungry and, and, and desperate to show that they they have roles to play, particularly with Chelsea, you know, looking for players who will be playing in their positions next season the more experienced players so that they they have to they have to stand up and and show that that they they merit a place in in this team's future
0: yeah it's gonna be fascinating to see who does get picked before we move on from the champions league Simon, I'm going to ask you a virtually impossible question, but um, I'm going to make you answer it anyway. <laughs> what what sort of expectations have we got for Chelsea in in next season's competition? Because this season it was all about getting through the group stage, wasn't it? Is there you know is it going to be realistic to say well we're looking there for to get to the quarterfinals next season if we assume they're going out in the last sixteen this time around, or will it again just be about getting through the group stage and then then you just see what happens from there?
2: I think inevitably expectations will, will be will be higher because if this squad can get to the last 16, then then naturally you, you're going to be looking at the addition of Ziyech and Werner um, as improving their chances of going beyond the last 16. Of course, a lot always depends on the luck of the draw, uh, who you get in the first knockout stage. And also, we, we don't know who Chelsea are going to be. Um, what deals they'll be able to finalise in, in the next few weeks to, to make the squad stronger. But I, I think not just the Champions League, expectations on Lampard, the pressure on Lampard, which he has talked about himself, will be on on him to do better than this season. And that means finishing higher than fourth in the league or certainly getting more points, a lot more points than, than they acquired this season and inevitably doing better in the Champions League. Um, so if, if Lampard thought he had it, tough this season, then um, yeah, it'll be under a lot more scrutiny next season when people won't be prepared to give him as much leeway um, for bad performances as, as perhaps they've done this season.
0: Well, in terms of Saturday's game, Chelsea produced miracles in Munich before. We'll have to wait and see if they can pull off the upset to end all upsets this weekend. Right, next up today, I'm going to put your questions to the Japs.
3: Hello, I'm Joe from TIFO and this is Alex from TIFO. Hi, I'm Alex from Tifo. We're here today to tell you about a little upcoming project that we're doing called Sensible Transfers. Alex, tell the listeners about it. Sensible Transfers looks at where teams are bad, why they should upgrade, and then picks players based on uh, analytics and video scouting so that it's not the usual tosh that you get in the newspapers. And guess what? There are 10 videos about this going out throughout August on all the biggest teams. There's 11 podcasts on the TIFO Football Podcast covering every team in the Premier League, uh, Celtic and Rangers, the top five in the Championship and uh, of course uh, candidates from Serie A, La Liga and the Bundesliga. But that's not all, is it, Alex? Uh, No, it's not. No. This sounds a lot like it. This is a really good advert, advert, isn't it? If you are a subscriber to The Athletic, you will find that there is a Sensible Transfers written piece about every team that The Athletic covers. So if we're not covering you in video, or if 10 minutes on a podcast isn't enough, and you're a Norwich fan, let's say, just as an example, you will find that Michael Bailey has written a superb piece uh, all about Norwich under the guise of Sensible Transfers, and you can find that on The Athletic app. Thanks and bye. Remember, you can tweet
0: me at Matt Davis Adams anytime you like if you have a question to put to our panellists. A nice mixture of topics to go at this week. Here's one from Barry McLaughlin who asks, with rumours that Chelsea need to sell a centre-half before buying a new one, who do the guys think it will be that's sold? And is that the same as who they think Frank would want to sell? Uh, Dom, what do you think? Let's say it's, it's probably Rudiger, Christensen and Zuma, given that tomorrow's not long signed a new contract. Who do you think out of the three would be be first
1: to be put up for sale out of those? Put up for sale is, a, is an interesting concept. I, th- I think it will depend on who... Who approaches Chelsea? Um, which which clubs come forward and, and express an interest in any of those players? And the most obvious one would probably be Zuma. Um, there have been suggestions that that uh, that even rival London clubs might might be keen to do it, some kind of deal on him. But but we'll have to see whether that materializes into anything concrete at all. Um, the suggestion is that when I mean, they didn't move for Nathan Ake. Because they needed to shift somebody on first to to justify the investment that it would have taken to 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 bring him back to the club, um, and that is probably an accurate reflection of where Chelsea are. That they they are heavily they are heavily investing the money that they brought in through Eden Hazard, Alvaro Morata, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and and in in the market way back when you know pre pre window embargoes, etc. But they've all, generally speaking, they've been a, a club in recent years that 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 have sold and attempted at least to, to balance the books or something approaching balancing the books anyway. So one in one out, et cetera, was, was, was sort of deemed to be their policy for a while. So, but it's the problem is that at the prices that they ask, I'm not sure there's going to be, they're going to be that many takers for, for these players. Um, I mean, Chelsea and, and Marina Granovskaya, they, they, they demand, they, they negotiate pretty toughly. I mean, these aren't, they don't sort of wilt and, and and accept any old offer for their players they 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 push a hard a hard price on them and and i am not sure how many clubs out there realistically would would have the money to to invest say thirty million pounds in Kurt zuma or twenty five thirty in andreas Christensen and 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 rudiger likewise it it just seems slightly unlikely to me so it, it may be that they have to to juggle things other ways and that that's going to be some they're going to be some creative accountancy somewhere along the line I'd imagine
0: Simon, so, mean, the second part of that that question um who would frank want to sell do, do you have any intel on, on on that and and who of those three that i mentioned would would likely be um his preference to to move on
2: no um i'm not sure which <laughs> one because um they've all got their pluses and, and negatives um i i just think it, it's not just in cent at the center back that the Lampard will be asked to move players on. There's quite a lot of, um, yeah, I was only told a few days ago that there, there is the need to move sort of six, seven players out. But as, as Dom said, it, it's this is a very difficult market to move players on. Um, you know, clubs have been hit financially. Uh, Chelsea have made probably more than any other club They've made selling players in the last five, six years a key part of their business model. Uh, Marina Sky is one of the toughest negotiators, but this time her hand is weak because clubs won't be willing to spend as much as before. So it is it is it is a difficult situation for Lampard and, and for Chelsea to sort of get rid of the players that he no longer wants, but are the kind of money that will be deemed acceptable for them to then reinvest in the players they do want, who, might I add, will cost considerably more than the ones they're letting go. So it's going to be a a very lively window as ever, as far as Chelsea are concerned, now that they're able to wheel and deal again.
0: Yeah, and actually on that, we've got a, a transfer-related question here from P. George Jr. He wants to know, what's the obsession with Ben Chilwell all about? Surely there's a better way to spend £75 million. Whilst Alonso and Emerson may not be the best in the world, pretty sure there have been plenty of successful teams with much worse left-backs. Simon, this is a story that, that you've been tracking. Is that kind of figure realistically what Leicester are hoping to get for Chilwell? it does seem awfully high
2: for a left-back. Yeah, that, that's obviously, you know, in the buying and selling process, you're always going to have the selling club or potential selling club pitching high. And they're, they're going by um, last year as well of getting Harry Maguire um, out of, you know, 85 million out of United from from Harry Maguire. So, yeah, he's very optimistic. I think the um, their demotion um, to the Europa League has helped Chelsea. Uh, I think if if Leicester had um, got into the Champions League, that would have really um, given them a a strong financial boost to help them keep their best players. But I, I'm under the impression that the fact they they failed to finish the Champions League has improved Chelsea's chances of of doing a deal with Leicester for Chilwell. So, and as far as obsession goes, look, this is the player that, that Chelsea have identified, Lampard has identified as the as the left back that he, he primarily wants the first-choice target. Taglifico, via a lot of Chelsea fans like him. Um, he's very much seen as the backup option because he's a bit cheaper. But but Chilwell, he's an England international. Yes, his form did dip in the, in the second half of two twenty, but I, I think if he was playing for a club abroad with perhaps a foreign name, there would be a bit more enthusiasm about signing him. Um, he's clearly a, a player of great talent that's why he's in the England squad and he can potentially be Chelsea's left back for 10 years so if you spread a huge transfer fee over the space of 10 years then suddenly it doesn't look such a ridiculous price to pay but I don't think Chelsea would be doing a deal for 75 million I think it would be significantly less than that.
0: Tom what's your view on on Chilwell's suitability to to Chelsea is is he worth a a lengthy pursuit and a a hefty transfer fee?
1: I think he's he's a player of huge potential i i've seen a lot of him in the england setup and i've liked a lot of what i've seen i think he's got a lot going for him um i'm I'm not sure he'll necessarily shore Chelsea up defensively at left back um in the short term that may be something that he develops with um within the within a stronger defensive setup but i'm i'm saying that and on the basis of the past i mean like back in the days when John Terry and Gary Cahill uh, were at the club etc the players sort of improved around those guys i'm not sure chelsea have that at the moment they don't have they don't have players who who inspire the same confidence so again it has to be part of a process it has to be part of a revamping of the of an entire back line and that is not going to be easy to achieve this summer you you know you you want to let's 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 assume that chelsea get kai havertz hashtag announce Havertz, etc etc (laughs) etc um so that you you look at their forwards like ranks and think wow yeah they've they've got that They, they they will not be as profligate as they were this season they will create chances they will take chances that that end of the pitch we're happy but realistically speaking that probably limits their budget at the back, at, at most to what a hundred million, possibly. And from that, you you want a left back, you want a centre half at least, probably probably two in an ideal world, and you've got to find an answer to the goalkeeping problem. And you know that that that's a huge ask in a what Simon rightly says is a really really difficult market, um, a market where a lot of the clubs that they're they're trying to prise these players away from. Will want to buy replacements, and it, it just it, it's you know it's like buying a house. It's the chain. It's 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 difficult to achieve, and uh, it's it's a daunting daunting task. But uh, look, Chillwell. I'd have faith faith in Chillwell coming in, but I'd like to see him flanked by strong leaders of in, in the centre half positions, and a goalkeeper at the back with. Premier League know-how, experience, uh, and somebody that inspires confidence in, in his teammates. And at the moment, Chelsea don't have that.
0: Yeah, amen to that. Um, Just finally on Chilwell, I guess it, it might be a benefit to, to him and Chelsea, the fact that, that Ashley Cole's at Cobham regularly now as the coach of the, the under-15 teams, to so maybe lean on him for some advice. Um, final question here is a good one from Sam Shaw. He says, has there been any talk about Ampadu? I haven't seen him that often, but I feel he would have been useful at times this season. We started the season with one unfit defensive-minded midfielder in Kante, and he can fill in at the back. Is he far off Rice's level. What do you think Simon? I, I hadn't really considered that but a, but a fit Ampadu probably would have got some football after the restart, wouldn't he, had he been at Chelsea?
2: Yeah, he, he would have done if he was uh, if he was in the squad. I think Ampadu would be a very useful asset um, but I think we can't forget how little he's played this season. Um, he's had a number of injury issues and, and has not been able to get into the RB Leipzig team. So I think he's asking a lot to expect Ampadu to just suddenly come from from barely playing uh to swan straight into the Chelsea team. I think from what I understand there there have already been offers being made to his people about loan deals. A number of clubs expressed an interest and I I still think that that is perhaps the most likely thing that will happen. But again, it as as Don rightly points out if 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 they if they're struggling to get players out and don't have the budget to spend elsewhere on players, then someone like Ampadu, you can imagine Chelsea would sort of think, well, perhaps we're going to have to have him in the squad because we can't get the, the first-choice target we want to improve things. Um, and the way he played against Spurs in the Champions League, he certainly has the ability. It's just whether he has the body um, that can cope with a full season at the highest level because we, we haven't seen that yet.
1: You can't You can't compare... Um, Ethan Ampadu with with Declan Rice yet that's that's an unfair comparison to draw. I mean, Ethan Ampadu, nineteen years old, yes, he's got the age on him, but he's played ten minutes of Premier League football in his entire career, whereas Declan Rice has made eighty seven Premier League starts for West Ham United. So if if Chelsea brought in Declan Rice, they, they know what they're getting. Then they know what they will he will offer them immediately, and there will be potential there as well to to develop that talent again. So there is i don't think there is a comparison to be made there but but amper around the squad and 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 playing more and, and maybe starting with cameos I, there's a logic to that definitely um but look how much competition for places there is still at chelsea i mean we've we got all these fringe players if they can't shift these fringe players on then what are we are we thinking that players on 100 grand 150 grand a week are just going to sit in the under-23s occasionally or not even have not even that. These guys may may have to be around the squad next season still, in which case it might be better for Ethan Ampadu, who is a player whose long-term future is at Chelsea, uh, goes out and, and gains minutes elsewhere with another loan spell.
0: Could be interesting to see. Right, we're just about out of time for this week. Before we say goodbye though, chaps, what can Athletic subscribers look forward to from you this week? Simon, you've got a piece up on what happens next for Chelsea. Tell us a bit more about that.
2: Essentially, it's after the cup final, which which I thought highlighted some familiar flaws, um, and I made the point that it, in many ways, it might help strengthen Lampard's argument with any conversations he has with the board about sort of backing him in, in certain areas of the pitch um, that we've kind of covered in the last uh, half an hour that that need addressing, particularly at the back and and in goal. So, um, so yeah, that's the piece I've sort of highlighting those those things that he needs to and Chelsea need to work on um, as for a piece that's upcoming um, there's going to be a big read between uh, myself Dom and Liam where we're celebrating William's career uh, at Chelsea um, we suspect perhaps we've seen the last of him in a Chelsea shirt but regardless I think it, it it's a good time to to highlight a player that is contributed a lot in the last seven years that he's been at the club and um, yeah so we, we've we've certainly got quite a lot of uh, anecdotes and stories to tell about about William and his life at Chelsea Football Club Remember, if you aren't
0: yet a subscriber, you can get a free thirty-day trial of The Athletic by heading to theathletic.com dot slash chelsea pod. So it's Willian on your agenda uh, for the rest of the week too. Then Dom, is it? Have you, have you got a theory as to why he is so maligned by sections of the the Chelsea
1: fan base, given what he's contributed to the club over the last few years? Well, I imagine a lot of that stems from hitting the first defender at corners. <laughs> um, you know, Selavie. That that's what, that does happen at most clubs. Um, I, I, interesting on Willian, I. It's part of uh, part of helping with size piece, the I, I'd look back over everything I wrote uh, on Chelsea for in the, in the thirteen years I spent covering the club at, at the Guardian, and uh, obviously eight years of that were with um, no sorry, When did William join? Twenty thirteen. So seven years of that were were with William in the in the team, and I've never written a piece specifically about him, and I, in some ways that actually. I thought that sort of summed him up it's it's he's he's a he's a an important cog in in the team but he's always been overshadowed by others and front you know largely by Eden Hazard during his 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 time at Chelsea but even in the early days I mean Oscar drew more attention than William did um William was a sort of the celebration was that that, that Spurs didn't get him and Chelsea did but he has been a consistent performer over the years. He's just almost quietly busied himself away in the background, and just look at the the managers that, even those he's fallen out with, they've all relied on him at some stage. They've they've all they've all sort of lent on him to as a as a sort of consistent member of the team that they that they completely could could rely on, and that I think that as a for a professional footballer that that must that must fill in with with a certain amount of pride and um, whatever happens next.
0: Yeah, and for what it's worth, I've always found him a joy to deal with. He's a really nice fella and he's always prepared to um, to give an interview, even if the result or his performance hasn't gone the way that he would have liked. Right, we'll be back same time next week to reflect on the buying game and the season as a whole. Until then, though, from Dom, from Simon and from me, it's bye for now. <laughs>